Chapter Eleven of Clogshop Chronicles by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A diplomatic reverse. Weak people are great trials to their friends, and Long Ben was a frequent source of anxiety to old Jabe. Ben was so easily moved and so rash when he was moved that the clogger told him every week of his life, "Thy head's as soft as a fuzzball." In financial matters, Jabe regarded him as utterly incompetent. He was so open-handed towards the borrower, and so patient and hopeful towards his debtors, that he was informed by his chief mentor again and again, "Thou'll ne'er a nowt will that wick." More than one Becksider had been disappointed of temporary loans from Ben by the sudden and peremptory interference of the clogger, and Ben scarcely ever came to the clog shop without being catechised as to the state of his account with this or that slow-paying debtor if ben became reticent in any of these matters jabe at once took the alarm and by threatening and judicious pumpings and occasionally by plottings with ben's wife ultimately got the truth out of him and sometimes saved him from loss of late years however ben partly out of shy modesty and partly out of fear of the clogger had developed a quite crafty slyness in his methods of rendering help to others is that force wench jabe would confide to mrs ben in their consultations on the subject he did loud scratch hissel and we'd ne'er know what he's up to and the clogger's difficulties were complicated by the view he took of himself he regarded himself as of a naturally hard and unsympathetic disposition with a terrible tendency towards grasping greediness financial operations were therefore very welcome to the old adam in him but very baneful he feared in their effects on his spiritual life so that when ben's weaknesses compelled him to act the part of an astute worldly wise counsellor to his friend it was done at great risk to his own soul under these circumstances it will be easily seen how grievous a cross ben's weaknesses were to poor jabe it must however be stated if we are to make a full and faithful record that the clogger did not bear his cross either meekly or silently jabe had been busy one day teaching his apprentice the art of clog-sole shaping and as the work had been trying to both his back and his temper he was resting and taking a quiet whiff meditating the while on a little problem which was just then exercising his mind four or five months before ralph green the cut-looker had died leaving a wife and five children unprovided for there was the club money of course and ralph though delicate had managed to put a little into the savings bank at duxbury so that it was well known that the bereaved family would be in no particular need for a little time but time had travelled quickly and jabe reckoning it up was startled to find that nearly five months had gone and that therefore it was high time to make some inquiry into the condition of the family but ben was in the way if the subject were broached in his presence he would be sure to go right off and do something foolish and something which with his large family he could ill afford and then mrs green was not exactly a persona grata she was a quiet shy sort of woman it was reluctantly granted that as a wife and mother she was reet enough but as a neighbour she was close reserved and stiffly proud jabe with the rest of the villagers felt this and he had difficulty in repressing a feeling of satisfaction that now at any rate 
she would be compelled to make friends of her neighbours. At the same time, the clogger justly surmised that if help were given to the cutlucker's family, considerable care would have to be taken as to the mode of rendering it, or else it might be refused. And then, none of the Greens were members, so that to the strictly legal mind of the senior society steward, there was a difficulty in the way of helping them from the chapel poor's fund. To further complicate matters, Jabe suspected himself of disinclination to help this case of need, which was another indication of the original desperateness of his nature, and entirely shook his own confidence in his power to rightly judge the matter. Altogether the subject provided a very neat problem, which might have occupied two or three nights' discussion around the clog-shop fire, and had given opportunities for the display of those fine forensic talents on which Jabe prided himself but for that irritating and humiliating weakness of Long Ben's. By this time the clogger's pipe was out, and hung negligently between his lips, threatening every moment to drop to the ground. The apprentice, standing almost up to the knees in clog chips, was perspiring over his work and inaudibly anathematising obdurate clog soles, when there was a murmur of young voices outside. The sneck of the shop door was gently and hesitatingly lifted, the door itself slowly pushed open, and in came two children, a boy and a girl. They carried a basket which seemed to contain something heavy, and after carefully closing the door after them, they dropped their burden upon the floor. "'Well, what do you want?' demanded Jabe, taking his pipe out of his mouth and scowling with a sternness he always assumed when talking to children. For a moment or two there was no answer. The boy looked at the girl, and the girl, catching at her pinafore, as if preparing to cry, looked back at the boy. Presently, however, the girl seemed to repent of her tears, and making a resolute effort, which drove the blood from her thin cheeks, she stammered, "'Don't you want to bay on your oppits, The clogger rose to his feet, and seemed about to explode upon his visitors when the boy chimed in. Full-bred Spanish, you known. Nineteen inches across the ears. Roppets! Your wastrels! cried Jabe, in a grossly overdone pretense of anger. What do I want wi' roppets? Tack em out of the place, or— But the girl plucked up courage, and dropping into a slightly wheedling tone, she said, You met Bayham, Jabe. My— we wanted the brass. Brass? What don't you want the brass for? But a look of sudden resoluteness came into the eyes of the children, and the girl shook her head admonitorily at her brother, and then answered, We conna tell thee, Jabe. You conna tell? shouted the clogger. You mean you winner. And then, suddenly as if to surprise something out of them, he asked, Does your mother know as you're selling them? Another look of caution shot into the girl's eyes, but before she could speak, the boy had answered, No. No? That a bonny monter come selling roppets, bart telling thy mother, cried Jabe, addressing the boy, as evidently the less artful. But the sister had telegraphed some kind of warning to her brother, and he stood and refused to answer a word. Then Jabe tried several other questions without much success, and finally said, Nah, then. I'm just wanting a pair of roppets like those, and he lifted the basket lid and glanced critically at the occupants. 
Aw've a empty pig oil down the garden yond, and aw want to keep em in it, but aw's bay no rabbits off childer as can't tell me what they're going for to do with the brass. The young rabbit vendors breathed hard and looked at each other in dire perplexity, and then the girl glanced apprehensively at the apprentice, who, on perceiving that he was noticed, suddenly resumed his clog shaping with demonstrative haste. Here, Isaac, cried Jabe. Go down the garden and mak a place for these roppets i the pig coit. As soon as Isaac had disappeared on his invented errand, Jabe demanded the price of the wonderful black Spanishes, and on having two shillings each tentatively quoted to him, he pulled two half crowns out of his pocket, and balancing them on his fingers, he said, Now nah, then, what don you want the brass for? The children hesitated and looked longingly at the coins and then at each other heaved great anxious sighs and then the girl ventured will you tell anybody jabe tell anybody not me cried jabe in a tone expressive of the utter impossibility of such a thing there was another pause and then the girl drew a long breath hesitated took a step nearer the old clogger and then giving way suddenly she fell forward with her head on his breast and sobbed we want to give it to my mother for the rent no becksider of any experience would have believed it but it is nevertheless true that jabe did not remove the little hot face that was buried in his bosom and it was also true that whilst he was speaking to the brother blushing and ashamed of his sister's tears but hovering perilously near them himself jabe's arm somehow strayed round to the other side of the sobbing child and as he talked he drew her tightly to him and held her there how does know thy mother conna pay th rent herself he asked looking at the boy and speaking in tones of most unnecessary gruffness cause owd croppy came for it yesterday and he sauce me mother and our liza there sleeps wi me mother and who says who was skrikin welly or neat as the reader will have surmised jabe's juvenile visitors were the children of widow green and the interview just described brought painfully home to the clogger the state of affairs at the cutlucker's cottage so with a brief brusque admonition to secrecy jabe dismissed the children and adjourned to the parlour for tea previously telling the apprentice to take great care of the rabbits for a day or two over tea and the pipe that followed jabe matured his plans with difficulty but it was very provoking not to be able to take ben into his confidence and he resolved to punish that troublesome weakling by keeping him out of the affair altogether. Only Ben was much more ingenious and inventive than the clogger, and Jabe sorely needed a suggestion or two from him as to the quietest and most roundabout way of conveying the assistance to be rendered. Invention, in fact, was not Jabe's strong point, and he knew it, and so he was still chasing through his brain ideas that refused to be caught when the cronies began to assemble for the evening. For a time he sat at his bench and took no part in the conversation. Presently, however, he pulled off his apron for the night and joined the circle round the fire. "'As only on your yard our Phoebe Green's going on?' he asked, with a laborious attempt at indifference, which excited more curiosity than his most anxious tones could have done, and unfortunately woke up Long Ben, who seemed to be dozing far into the nook. But nobody seemed to know anything, and Nathan the smith declared that, 
they met be clemmin i the haase for out as they towed anybody and sam speck said he couldn't abide sich force pride jabe undertook a feeble defence of the widow all the time keeping a vigilant eye on long ben who manifested a most satisfactory lack of interest in fact ben only seemed to really wake up when sniggy parking came in and announced that he was going to tack coor of his owd woman and for a start the mangles for sale now the sale of molly's mangle was a matter of public interest ringing machines were scarce in beckside jaunty harrop's wife had got one of course and so had jimmy juddy's nancy and one or two others of the upper ten but for the rest everybody took their clothes to the public mangles until recently there had been two in the village one owned by blind alice and patronised by the more respectable of the becksiders and molly parkins in the brickcroft supported by the democracy but some weeks before blind alice had been taken to the asylum and her mangle removed to clough end the sale of molly's machine therefore would create a sort of public crisis it was agreed on all hands that the brickcroft mangle must not leave the village and long ben seemed so absorbed in the situation and its possible developments that jabe rejoiced to think that widow green would drop for the time out of his thoughts meanwhile what must be done for the greens the next night proved so very wet that nobody turned up at the clog shop except sam speck but sam was clearly prejudiced who keeps her cell to herself leave her to herself was his dictum then jabe opened his mind more fully but though they talked for a long time the two schemers could invent nothing better than a tortuous and involved system of subsidies to be given as occasion offered under various elaborate pretexts when they parted neither was quite satisfied with the outcome of their consultation and jabe was more and more irate at ben for his unavailability that same night wet though it was ben paid a visit to phoebe green arter in phoebe he asked opening the door a little and holding it ay said a somewhat weary voice and the carpenter stepped inside and reared his big umbrella on the slop-stone to drip childer reach a cheer said phoebe and when ben had taken his seat and given a sour sweet to each of the children he stole a quiet look round the house and then glanced shyly at the window she looked older and sadder than of yore ben noted with a pang and there was that harassed look which sorrow never brings to the face except when blended with worry phoebe thee and me's allus been thick anna we he ventured at last ay said phoebe but there was suspicion and rising resistance in her tones well aw want thee to do me a favour ay and aw beckside too if thou wilt what dost want asked the widow still cautious and icy why we're going to be bar to mangle in beckside and aw thout some of us met bay it in if thou'd tack it for a bit and work it for the good of the village thou knows phoebe a tall severe-looking woman stood looking down upon ben white and motionless as a statue and then the fountains of the deep seemed suddenly to open within her and with a passionate cry she staggered to her seat and leaning her head on the table she sobbed out oh lord thou art the father of the fatherless and the husband of the widow just when all were at the fur end thou sent me deliverance 
presently her agitation subsided and looking up at the carpenter she cried it's just like thee ben barber but thy wife and childer will ne'er want for nowt as long as theer's a god aboon us oh see now to tack on o that road about said ben with a look of surprise which was not perhaps perfectly sincere if owd molly's mangle went out at the village it'd be dicky pink with all the beckside clean clothes the childer'll be able to turn for thee but he continued suddenly assuming a brisk business air to bring phoebe back to commercial matters and with the thought also of saving her pride the latter do our mangling for nowt for a month or two if thou wants the mangle for thy own when ben had gone having in leaving bound phoebe over to strict secrecy for a few days the widow's children were amazed to see their staid emotionless mother kiss them impulsively all round with a series of hugs for the podgy baby and caught some of their mother's gladness when they heard her say thank god we's be able to pay our road now ay and put a bit of a stone on your feyther's grave and all next night jabe made a visit to the widow's with his first subsidy in his pocket and was both surprised and encouraged by a new softness in phoebe's manner eh he said looking significantly at the two children with whom he had negotiated the purchase of the animals we'd had some work wi yon roppets they'll drave me off me head if aw keep em mitch longer see thee jack if thou'll fotch em back thou'st have em for nowt and i'll give thee summat for to tack em out o me seat this speech of course had a very lively effect on young jack's spirits but quite a contrary one apparently on those of his mother who thus learnt for the first time to whom the creatures had been sold a frosty silence followed jabe had an uneasy sense of having blundered somehow and so presently discarding the subterfuges for which he felt so ill-fitted he said with a sigh of anticipatory sympathy well wench art a goin on pratty weel said phoebe shyly we god's help and my neighbours or think we pull through the reply finished in so cheerful a tone and phoebe herself looked so easy that jabe suspected there must be some recent cause for it and beat about the bush for information but it was no use and so he retired in the hope of gleaning something at the clog-shop fire but nobody responded to his very palpable leadings and long ben's conduct was so unexceptionable as to disarm all suspicion of him jabe was so ill-satisfied with the result of his first visit that he went to the widow's again the next night but though phoebe was out and jabe used his utmost artifices with the children he got no further as he grumblingly admitted to himself going home next day he went again resolving to have no more evasions but to compel phoebe to accept his help and even if necessary to scold her for a sinful pride but though phoebe was very kind and even talkative for her it was evident that she suspected his errand and was bent on thwarting him and so after staying a very long time he abandoned the entire scheme in sheer bad temper and spitefully banged the door as he went out but next day the mangle was removed to phoebe's and before night everybody knew of the new arrangements jabe heard of it very early of course and sat over his work preparing for long ben the best dressing darn he ever had in his life but ben evidently thought discretion the better part of valour and did not turn up for he knew that jabe would suspect him of having arranged the matter besides the absence of ben the conduct of the rest of the clog-shop cronies was irritating 
Jabe sat at his seat before the window some time after his ordinary hour for adjournment, and toiled on in moody unsociability. But the others, Sam Speck, Lige and Nathan the Smith, got as far as they could into the ingle nook, and were whispering and breaking into sudden explosions of laughter, which they made great haste to suppress. Jabe concluded they were rejoicing over the way in which Ben had outmanoeuvred him, and bore it with ill-smothered wrath. When Lige and Nathan had gone, the clogger drew up to the fire, and Sam, whose face wore a broad grin, at once looked preternaturally grave, but after struggling with himself for a few moments, overcome by irresistible inward merriment, he burst into an uproarious laugh. The look Jabe cast on him would have frozen any mirth, however, and so, as soon as he could make a straight face, he leaned forward and said, Dost know what they're saying about thee? I neither know nor care, snapped the clogger, looking fiercely into the fire. They say, but Sam got up and prepared for sudden exit as he said it, they say, as thou started a courtin' Phoebe Green, and away Sam rushed, waking the echoes by his explosions of laughter as he crossed the road for home. End of chapter 11